A number of years ago, uh, one of our staff members had a very unusual and interesting father. I was in a small group with him, and we were talking about problems and opportunities. And he said something that really caught my attention, and I wondered if it could possibly be true. He said, I've never had a real problem in my life, only opportunities for God to use me. So I began to listen very carefully to him to see if he was really authentic or just kind of saying that. And it was really true. He rolled over a curb and knocked his whole muffler system off, and he he wasn't upset at all. He said, well, I guess God wants me to go witness about Jesus to those over at Midas. Didn't upset him at all. And these were the kind of things that happened to him, and he never seemed to see them as a problem. And eventually, he lost his job and moved away. And his parting words were, God is reassigning me uh, to another location that I can be a witness for Jesus there. This man was very unusual, and most of us do not see the problems in our life as opportunities, but we see them as trouble. And a common approach for most of us, we try to pray it away. If it doesn't go, we give up, or else we run away if we can. And many of us have painful memories of times of trouble where we made poor choices, and some of us still struggle with some of the actions we took in those times of trouble. Uh, A man uh, was uh, wanting to become a goal prospector in the days of the gold rush. And so he sold everything he had and bought a tool and some accessories, and he went out west to where he thought the gold uh, was being discovered. And he had heard about a rich uh, vein of gold that was in a certain area, so he went there, and he worked very hard. He looked everywhere and worked long hours, but it was a fruitless search. And after a long time, he was just exhausted. So he dug a hole and buried his instruments and walked away. And then a few years later, a large company with uh, the instruments that were more advanced to detect gold went there and uh, came to that very area. And they began to dig, and they found the gold vein. And on one side, they discovered this prospector's tools. He was six inches from his fortune. He gave up. He quit too soon. And in contrast to that, you've probably heard the story of Thomas Edison's search for proper ingredients for a life bulb. He liked one thing, the tiny strand that would connect the two electric poles and so that it wouldn't burn up. It kept burning up when the current was turned on. And he worked very hard, and after a lot of time, he discovered the answer, a little bit of tar that he would put on those poles that they wouldn't burn up. And unlike the gold prospector, he hung in there until he completed the task. Psalm 1611, our verse for today, gives us good news about about this. God is not limited by human tendencies to give up or turn back. These are the words he speaks to his children through his word. Psalm 1611, you have made known to me the path of life. 
You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He completes his work in us, even if we try to run away or give up. If we belong to Christ, we are confronted with many problems that can turn into opportunities for our growth. But we don't always choose the right way. He's a big God, and he never gives up on us, and he finds ways to complete his work in us. This morning, I'd like to tell you the story of a young man who powerfully illustrates this truth from the scripture. He had great potential. He had a great opportunity, and he messed up, and it was a big and embarrassing mess up. God didn't give up on him or even punish him, but used what happened to humble him and make him a great leader that accomplished much and he ended up dying a martyr for Christ. I can't read all of the scriptures that would tell this story, but I have put them together in a story, and they're taken from the Gospels and the Book of Acts and the Pauline Epistles and some other pieces of information from the Catholic tradition. It's really a great story of God's redemption. This young man's name was John Mark, and we can learn from his life and from his story. John Mark had a great heritage of faith. His mother's name was Mary, and it was in their home that was used as a meeting place for Christians. He was most likely the nameless man carrying a jar of water in Mark 14, 13, and he led the disciples to the upper room where Jesus hosted his Passover meal. Mark was probably there because it was at Mary's house that the Christians gathered to pray. And when Peter was in prison, it was there that they were, they were afraid, but they were locked in and they were praying, and John Mark was in their midst. And in spite of all the dangers of the, the persecution, Mary opened her house for early Christian and hosted them, and she had a servant who guarded the door. John Mark lived there. Can you imagine the people he met and the opportunities he had to learn about the apostles? And, and when Paul came, he had an opportunity to, to meet him there. And John Mark was a part of Jesus, his life and his ministry, his growing up. And John Mark's uncle was Barnabas, and Barnabas was Mary's sister. And Barnabas was respected in the early church, a man of compassion. And his generosity and compassion led him to sell everything he had and finance a benevolent ministry in the church. And it was Barnabas who befriended the Apostle Paul and after his conversion. Because in Antioch, uh, uh, many believers were gathering together. And it was like the first church that was formed. So the church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas down to check out this church to make sure that they were, they were authentic and they were following the teachings of Jesus. And he found this church worthy of support. And so he sent for Paul to come and help him teach there for a year. And, and John Mark was there. And it was Barnabas that was chosen with Paul to be the first foreign missionary sent out by the church. John Mark was in their midst. Uh, Peter even called John Mark my son. 
So he was clearly very involved in the early church and with the apostles. And suddenly, John Mark had this great opportunity. When the church in Antioch was led to send off the first missionaries on the first missionary journey ever, they chose Barnabas and Paul. And at that point, Barnabas was a team leader. And Acts 13.5 makes note that John Mark was them as their helper. So he was obviously a, a more of a gopher at that time. But he was asked and given the great opportunity to go on the first missionary journey ever with his uncle Barnabas and the great apostle, apostle Paul. He had the chance to learn and to serve and to take Christ to the pagan nations he was very fortunate to be among them. And when they sailed to Cyprus, John Mark observed the power of God at work in the governor's house there. He saw this important leader embrace Jesus Christ through the work of his uncle Barnabas and Paul. But a problem came. John Mark faced his greatest challenge at the next stop on the trip. Something had happened on this first leg of the journey that was a real challenge, a real problem to John Mark, and he quit the team and went home. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is. The scripture does not tell us, but it has been suggested that John Mark, being a little pampered, he came from affluence. He got homesick because this was rough going, or he missed his mother, or he got tired of being the gopher, the helper. It's also been suggested he looked, to, he looked ahead and there was a journey ahead that was uh, through mountains and very difficult and rough and dangerous and filled with robbers who would just kill you. And he could have even gotten a bout of malaria. All of those were possible. But most scholars believe that there was a change in leadership that happened that displeased John Mark. He saw it as a huge problem. Barnabas started out as a leader, but the, in, in the events of Cyprus and through uh, Paul's personality, he emerged as a powerful and a persuasive leader, and he assumed that role. In Acts 13, 13, the scriptures suddenly start saying Paul and his companions rather than Barnabas and Paul, and we're all human. And John Mark could have felt really sad uh, about this and not like the, the uh, situation where Paul took over from his uncle John Mark. We have no evidence that Barnabas minded that at all, but John Mark may have not liked that. Anyway, he turned back. Can you imagine the emotions of his going home? He sailed back to Antioch, to that church, where he had to explain what happened. And it would be hard to explain. And they saw, Paul saw him as a failure, and many others saw him as a failure or a weak person. So what would he do next? The scriptures are silent about him for about two years. Did he go to church? Did he drop out? What happened? Did he have to take a back seat? Did he feel like it was all over? Someone reached out to him. God was not finished with John Mark. Peter is the most likely person, the Apostle Peter, who reached out to him because by that time, 
apostles, a couple of apostles were killed. Others were getting old and dying, and it was a dangerous world. And there was not a written account of Jesus' life, his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. Remember, John Mark was educated and very bright. So Peter reached out knowing that John Mark had been seen all this. He was an eyewitness. And he, he most likely said to him, look, we have to write this down. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back very soon. And we don't want all the things we've seen and experienced and we know are true to pass away. So would you write down your account of Jesus' birth and ministry? And so we know that John Mark did this. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. And it was the first written record of Jesus' birth, life, and ministry. Matthew and Mark later would use this manuscript as they were led to write their accounts in the New Testament. However it happened, John Mark learned something valuable about God and that God had a redeeming chapter in his life. And when the second missionary journey was being planned, John Mark was willing to go, but he had another problem. Paul said, no way is he going with us. He turned back. And Barnabas, being a man of compassion and wanting to mercy and wanting to give his nephew a second chance, uh, disagreed with Paul. So the scripture says they had a sharp disagreement, so much so that they parted ways. They split the team, and Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took Silas. And so there was a split there, but there were also, God used it to send out two teams instead of one. And we know that John Mark did not turn back this time. He completed the journey with Barnabas. And we have a record in Colossians and Philemon that he was very active in the ministry and and the missionary efforts of the early church. And we don't know exactly when Paul and John Mark were reconciled, but we know they were because in 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul asked that John Mark be sent to him when Paul was in prison and all the people he could ask for, he asked for John Mark because he said he would be very useful to me. So God closed that gap and reconciled them and put them back together. And John Mark continued and he founded a church in Alexandria, Egypt, and he was martyred, and he was buried there. He was pulled apart by five horses, and he died for Christ's sake there. John Mark had learned his lesson, and his mistakes he had given to God, and he took another chance, and he was, he was given a strong and a pure heart by God, and he never quit again or gave up until his death. Problems come in all of our lives. How do you see problems? I think the man I spoke about in the beginning who saw God in everything is very uh, little extreme, unusual. Most of us can relate a little more to John Mark. And the problems come. We make the choices, some good, not so good. And sometimes we feel like a failure or beat ourselves up or disqualify 
qualify ourselves for other ministries or something else. We feel we've disappointed God. We've disappointed ourselves, and we can't get past it. I think John Mark's life is very powerful to tell us the story that God is a redeeming God, and we can learn from mistakes, and we can, if we don't even know at the time what to do when we make wrong choices, or we do know what to do when we make wrong wrong choices, it's not over. God will never give up on us. He will complete the work in us that he's called us to do if we let him do it. And he takes something that's not so good, and sometimes we learn more from that than we do the good times in our lives. There is nothing much sweeter than a second or a third chance. I don't know about you, but I relate to John Mark a lot. I've made so many wrong choices along the way, but I've learned and been humbled through those wrong choices and mistakes, and I still make them. But I don't know where you are today, but if you're feeling like you've failed yourself or God or it's over, take a lesson from Mark. We serve a big God. Be open to God sending and opening a door for another chance or sending you a Peter or a Barnabas to call you back into service for him. Don't disqualify yourself. We have a God who forgives and gives second chances and third and fourth. And don't miss it. He might be speaking to you now. And with the psalmist, we can say, about God. God, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the kind of God we serve. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts as we serve you and as we stumble around often and look for the ways you've called us And sometimes we don't complete the work or respond at first in the way that we wish we had or that we think you have wanted us to. But God, thank you that you reach out again and again. And today is the day of salvation. Not only we've been brought to you and we know Jesus perhaps, but we feel like um, we need another chance or a new beginning. And you're there giving us the salvation of our past mistakes and opportunities to keep on growing in you. Thank you, God, for that kind of love and commitment to each of your children. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.